Morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning, Joe B. How are you on a Sunday morning, the day after your birthday? Excellent, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> you noticed I have a glove on this morning? Um, yes. Our last two podcasts were the two best podcasts we've ever done, but we had a lot of noise that were popping and cracking. You would say something, and it'd pop and crack whenever I'd say something, and it was all about the movement of the microphone. So I put this on to soften the movement, hoping that it would eliminate the noise in our podcast. We want quality. I'm glad that you explained that to me because it looks just a little weird. <laughs> kind of this big, heavy, brown winter glove on. <laughs> Anything for a quality podcast. I thought maybe you were, instead of wearing a mask, now you're wearing gloves. <laughs> One glove. <laughs> One glove because it gets close to my mouth. <laughs> so you're, yes. Mm. I, I, at first I wondered about it, and then now I knew who had it on. <laughs> Just forget it. <laughs> Maybe I want to give you an examination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> hey, uh, Sunday morning, our favorite program, Sunday morning on CBS. Uh, what uh, jumped out today? The photographer, I think. Uh, that they had on this morning uh, explained how he did his job and resulting in the photos that he takes that are so wonderful. And, and as he said, too, tragic at the same time. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, um, what did we say her name was? Martha? Martha Teichner. Teichner. She has the most soothing voice when she reports. I can hear her caring about something and just the sound of her voice, you can tell. Um, I like that. Also, like the uh, Jeff Daniels, really made a connection with him. But I really enjoyed the interview with him this morning too. Yeah, the photographer is Richard Drew, and he worked for the Associated Press. And of course, he uh, was not at nine eleven when the planes hit, but he was there shortly thereafter and came up with uh, probably the most iconic photograph from that. It's called the Falling Man. Uh, there's a lot of controversy about that. Yes, and uh, I think since we've been so into watching the documentary from uh, National Geographic on uh, 9-11, that that really made a point with me after seeing it. Yeah, Day in America is what National Geographic has produced, and we watched all six series, and wow, was it powerful. Yes, it was very different. I mean, you hear about it, you saw it on TV, but when you hear the people talk of the experiences they had from the survivors, unbelievable. Just mm-hmm. would catch myself sitting here just t- tied in a knot, gripping my hands. And it was, uh, I, I, and I saw the part where they said the kids of today don't even remember it. And I think it's wonderful that. The one school, that was one of the books that they had to read for summer was so that they would know it. And um, I kind of felt the same way the reporter did, that I think it, it's it's good. I think it's necessary because uh, we will forget if we don't mm-hmm. keep reminding people that something like that could happen at any time, I think. Well, there was a phenomena discussed this morning. They said the... Uh People who were alive whenever it happened were traumatized to the point where they don't want to talk about it, and therefore the kids have not uh, heard about 9-11 over the supper table, so 
they virtually know nothing about it. But, you know, the photographer, Richard Drew, he was talking about it wasn't him who took the picture. It was the camera who took the picture. His job was simply to be at the right place. You could certainly see that in his work. Oh, yes, it was It was really wonderful. And I could see why you would have to do that to get the pictures because you would probably shy away from some things. Yeah, I uh, had the very fortunate opportunity at the Benton Evening News and even all of our life to be able to take pictures because uh, with our agency, uh, you know, we took uh, hundreds of pictures underground for the old Ben Cole Company and uh, also uh, news pictures for the Benton Evening News. And I remember one day, uh, a Sunday afternoon, I was riding with Mom uh, on 57. Uh, in her later years, she was in the uh, passenger seat, and I was in her blue Cadillac, and we traveling, and we were going south of West Frankfurt, <clears throat> headed south. And I looked in the rearview mirror, and there was a car pulled over to the side of the road, and you could see the smoke coming out of the motor. And uh, I stopped, and of course that was, uh, my mother just, no, you're not going to stop, you know, shut the door. No, no, you're not going to pick up that camera. No, you're not going to get out of the car. (laughs) And uh, I was well off the side of the road so that she was safe, and I just started walking back toward the car, because I visualized that car blowing up, and I could see it was filled with girls, looked like college girls. And uh, as I walked back, they bailed out, and uh, they were getting away from the car, and I thought any moment that thing's going to explode, and you know I'm going to have the picture of the century. It didn't. It was obvious that they were safe, so I went back, got in the car with Mom, and left. The next morning, uh, the news director came in, and he was looking for a front page photograph and he said to me do you have anything I said no I don't have anything he said where's your camera and I said it's out in the car John Racine Mm. and uh, John went out and got the camera and I never thought anything about it never heard anything about it well that evening whenever I got home I saw on the front page he had taken one of those pictures out and run it on the front page and fast forward a year and we were in North Carolina. And Stephen Joe called me and he said, Dad, you won first place in news photograph for the AP with that picture of those girls and the burning car. So you you just don't know. You don't know whenever you got a camera, you just take pictures. And uh, like I told Stephen Joe, it was a camera, you know, who did the work, much to my mother's chagrin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, anything else, 9-11, we had 9-11, and it, you alluded to the county fair where the woman was doing the uh, butter carving. Oh, yes. And yes. Uh, that brought back great memories with me with our county fair. Oh, yeah. Uh, our county fair was uh, our county fair was neat, uh, especially, I think, at the time that you and I grew up. Uh, it was a big deal, and it was almost like a prestigious thing, this old grandstand made out of wooden seats that weren't all put together, you know, because it was old and everything. But at the same time, as a high school student, a girl or boy, if you got a job during the week of the fair, uh, escorting people to their seats, to the box seats. And, and now when I think about it, you know, it is, it's hilarious to me that 
that was so important to us because you think of now when you go someplace and someone escorts you to a seat, it's a big deal. I mean, it's in a big arena or, you know, something like that. And we were uh, escorting people to a cheap folding wooden chair uh, and having them sit down and dusting out their seat before because it was always so dirty at the fair. And, and hot. And, and hot. And and we didn't do it in shorts and stuff. We were told that we were, you know, slacks. You looked appropriate. Um, it wasn't a, a sports thing where you had on your short shorts and that kind of stuff. It was, you know, it was a prestigious thing. And um, I'm not even sure what we got paid. Probably nearly nothing. You were up there if you got a job doing that at the fair. The main thing is, I know the first time I went to the Illinois State Fair, which was always a big deal for my family, is to go up there because we uh, didn't just go. I never went just to go to the fair up there. We always were showing horses, and it was always close to the end of the fair. And um, the first time I went, I know we went into the one exposition building, and that's where they had... Uh, at that time, when you went into the building, they gave you a little handbag as a memento of the fair. And as you went through all the exhibits, um, they were always giving something away, pencils, fans, everything. Um, and one place made miniature loaves of bread, all wrapped in everything, and you always wanted one of those. And then to always go see the cow made out of butter. As time went by and I'd come back and see it, I began to wonder if they just didn't keep that cow in that frozen thing <laughs> all the time and you, they didn't redo it because it never really changed. And then one time I went, I think, and they had a dog carved sitting by it. And I thought, yeah. But uh, I think it the cow even had a name. And uh, Daisy, maybe? Daisy the butter cow or... She had a name, but I can't remember what it was. Was it Elsie? I don't know. It could have been. Nothing just rings a bell. I could understand why it was a big deal to these people who especially lived in Minnesota, and they were all owners of uh, herds of milk cows, you know. And so that was the thing where they showed that they had generations of girls in a family who had been Miss Butter, <laughs> whatever. That was really cute to me. Was it Elsie? It could have been Elsie. It could have been. I'm not sure. I can see it in the hall now in that big building. Oh, yeah. And that was always fun because you'd come back with all this bags of stuff in here. State Fair was always a big deal to us. The fair was always in August, wasn't it? I think it was. Yes, it was in August because I lived for the county fair oh, as you a mean kid. Fair. Yeah, no. our county fair. July. July and Franklin July. County Fair? Because our crops always burned up in July. Yeah, I think it was close to the, yeah, it was in July, I'm pretty sure. I know as a little boy, I got through Christmas and I would go to bed at night thinking about the county fair because that was the biggest thing uh, coming up that we had in our life. And my mother just couldn't wait to get out and she would go up into the grandstand for the horse races in the afternoon. And she'd bet a quarter here and a quarter there among the people who were with her. Oh, yes. And uh, uh, the exposition hall there underneath, people would uh, bring in their canned green beans and all their needlework and paintings and stuff. And um, 
I had the pleasure of, my mother was kind of like what they call the secretary of the fair. And she, we took care of all the entries for every event at the fair. As I got older, uh, I could help her because I loved doing stuff with paper and everything. And everything was done by hand. Uh, there was no machines, maybe an adding machine to help you add up uh, money that someone had gotten, you know. Uh, but everything was done by hand and with carbon copies, with carbon copies. And uh, you had to get that all done and pay people before the end of the fair. And so that was always a, a fun time for me. Yeah, underneath in the exhibition areas, they mm-hmm. had uh, every kind of canned fruit, canned vegetables, oh. every kind of... And I remember a very small boy that they had a film from the health department talking about diseases and everything. And it was animated, and they had this one uh, little character marching on the wall, hollering, all is well, all is well. And oh, really? I don't Yeah, remember it was that. a hand-washing thing. Oh, and also, too, um, it was, uh, Carmen Taylor was the uh, president of the Fair Association. I think it was probably going kind of downhill before he took it over. And uh, he had my dad do a whole new front entrance, all in wrought iron, uh, saying Franklin County Fair. And we were so proud of Dad. It was really a beautiful thing and made it really gorgeous inside. And then he would just declare a fair cleanup day. And he would get in touch with all the farmers and um, select hopefully a time when they could all get together. And they would come in town with their tractors and, you know, their uh, cutting stuff to mow the grass and all that kind of thing. And... uh, get it all cleaned up and whitewash, as we used to say, everything so that all the trees, trunks were white and and the time it got ready for the fair, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, the Taylor family were quite a community-giving family. Uh, they were involved in a lot of projects. The county fair was Carmen Taylor, and yeah. uh, he was in charge, and rightfully so, and did a great job. And then later, his son, Robert Taylor, became the president of the uh, uh, Benton Chamber of Commerce, and from that spun off the Benton Promotion Association, which sponsored the Wren Lake Parade, So, and it's still going every uh, summer. The Taylor family is constantly giving. You remember the night uh, your dad chased me down and needed me for a project? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, it's kind of sad time. Uh, not that you were going yeah. to announce the race. Oh no, 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 no! It was it was even sadder whenever I got the microphone. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, the person who was uh, always called the races at the fair um, died, and um, so at the last minute, we needed someone to call the horse races, and so I think Dad just saw you standing there and said. Uh, can you do it? Go do it. And no, he, he didn't say, can you do it? He said, you got a microphone at every ball game. Get up there and call those horse races. Yeah, and so I went up and helped you mm-hmm. uh, because they were quarter horse races. And um, because my dad was in charge of quarter horse uh, races at the fair. And uh, they're very quick. Uh, you don't have a whole round uh, the entire mile track to figure out who is where and announce the winner as they come across. 
thing. This is how many seconds is a? Uh, it's oh. seconds, not minutes. Oh yeah, oh I, yeah. It's it's just a quarter of a mile, and I mean they're running full speed. So yes, and they're usually bunched up. So yeah, whenever I got the microphone. Uh, I thought they were heats, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I was informed very quickly they were not heats. Yeah. And uh, also, I I just looked and I thought, well, they're going to run all the way around the tracks. Oh, I didn't. And it was over, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know, and it was over, and they were looking to me to get who was uh, <laughs> what, and you had the uh, finishers for that one. Oh well, it ended up pretty good. We had some people that uh, were appointed to watch. Uh, certain horses and so that they could report at the end um we did have a camera in case it was really close we could view that it ended up fine why did the county fair die i guess like a lot of county fairs they're still going some of them are but um you know people used to bring their livestock and it was um it was one of the big things you did in your county. You came in and showed off your livestock. Uh, one, it's a lot of work. Two, it costs a lot of money to do that. And um, so I guess we've just outgrown some things. But there's still fairs that happen all the time. I think McLeansboro still has a fair. Um, Mount Vernon, I'm not sure. Salem used to always be a big fair, you know. Uh, they were just in every little town, but I'm not. I'm not sure how many are still active. Not too many. Bernard Friendly was the uh, instructor of the FFA program at Benton High School. He would give the students a registered pig, and the deal was when that sow had piglets, he got to pick the first and third choice of that litter to give to two other students so that everybody eventually would get a free pig and he came out on a Sunday morning and he said to me uh, Joe I've got a uh, a little piglet here it's what we call a runt (laughs) and said uh, you have a choice Uh, you can either take this one or when the next litter happens I don't know when that will be I'll pick out another one for you well by that time Mary Lou and Carolyn and Sue, uh, I think Becky was still in the house in a bassinet, but the girls had already gotten that little piglet and had taken it to the backyard and was getting one of their little uh, doll baby bottles and filling it full of water and feeding that piglet. And he said, uh, Bernard said, well, I, I guess uh, this, is your, this is your project. And uh, I said, well, what's its name? And he said, well, the only thing I can think of is Mary Maud. (laughs) Named it after my mother and after my sister. Well, Mary Maud grew and grew and big and big and started having piglets itself. And I gave the first and third away. And so I started showing Mary Maud at the county fair. And I would go here and I would go there to the county fair. We didn't go too many places because you had to get a truck and you had to get them in there and you had to get them at the fairgrounds. And Anyway, the judges would never look at my Mary Maud. Just, there was no con- conversation, no, you could just tell. They just, there, I said to a judge one day, 
I said, exactly, why don't you look at my sow and say something to me? And she, he, he said, oh, son, don't you, don't you know your sow has fallen hawks? <laughs> I said, what? And he said, can't you tell your sow has fallen hawks? Well, the hawks are the two little bone-like mm-hmm. on the back of the leg, and they're supposed to be in the air. But for Mary Maud, she was so big that the two little hawks were on the ground. Squatting. She was squatting all the time. Yeah, oh, she had fallen, fallen hawks. That's a horrible story. Well, that's so sad. What do you think it did to me? You know, I it said like someone would have told you. He did. Yeah, no, but somebody else. <laughs> well, who in my family would know anything about well, I mean, hogs, you know. show hogs especially? Yeah. You know, and Bernard, Bernard wasn't uh, that in tune to my projects anyway. So, uh, but I remember we used to go out and stay all week at the county fairgrounds. Oh, I know. I always wanted to do that, and I never got to do that. My dad wouldn't let me go over there and stay with all those 4-H boys. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I kept looking for you. Yeah, I know. But I, I saw Ann Webb. Oh yes, oh yes. They had they, the Webbs had great uh, livestock. They did it. It was kind of like a living for them, you know. My son Kelly and uh, daughter Chelsea uh, had a steer because at that time um, you would show a steer, and if you won a class or just sold your steer afterwards uh in the auction uh you could raise a lot of money you know and so kids were always wanting to get a car and so my dad made that thing that you show a steer every year until you're old enough to get a car and then you'll have the money stuck away to buy a car and so uh both my younger older kids i mean older kids showed steers and that's how they got their first car Mm. was that way so that was kind of neat the sunday morning news program was filled with all kinds of emotional things for me we can't cover all of them and tomorrow's labor day we'll talk about that but uh, willard scott do you remember willard scott yes yes i do his claim to fame he was the first broadcaster who consistently celebrated people's 100th birthday and he would mention uh, oh betty Payne is celebrating a hundredth birthday today the older i get the more i appreciate that <laughs> yes you're hoping or was wishing that he would be around to say years huh willard where are you when we need yeah. you well that pretty well does it for this morning uh, love you hon uh, let's have a good sunday and a good weekend and uh, enjoy okay I'm looking forward to the rest of the day.